Hi, this is Tim. This is just a heads up that all the advice you're hearing in this podcast is general in nature. If you want something more specific, then feel free to contact us. Drunk accountant, drunk accountant, drunk, drunk, drunk accountant, drunk accountant, drunk accountant, drunk, drunk, drunk accountant, drunk accountant, drunk accountant, drunk accountant, Hello, everybody. <laughs> Hello. Tim and I were just because uh, we're on Zoom <laughs> making a making a film clip. Yeah, um, you weren't recording that, were you? No, I wish I should have. That would have been good. We'll do it next week. Next week, we uh, just made an on the ball decision, an on the run decision, to start recording our podcasts. Mm. Absolutely. Mm. And by that, we mean not the audio version that everyone always is, but because we're recording <laughs> it on, on Zoom, um, we've, got, we've got video. People, people, can just, people can just watch us on the YouTubes if they want. I don't know if people want that, but we're going to put, we'll put a few out and if people watch it, we'll keep doing it. We might be able to um, do the odd live one. Yeah, definitely. Well, we can do that now. On Facebook. Mm. Facebook Live. Mm. Mm. Uh, Tim. What is the Tim, the Tim and, and Danlo? How's your week? Um, yeah, really good. Uh, Four-day week. Easter was awesome. Um, loving the weather right now. Get that, get that light out of my eyes. <laughs> <laughs> You're loving the weather. Good loving banter. the weather. Good it's banter. so good. Now the weather is is quite nice. It's. I've been saying this to Kat that in the afternoon, it's it's good, it's cool enough that I'm not hot and sweaty when I'm out for a run or a walk, mm. but it's warm enough that I'm not cold. Yeah, so good. And that's, and that's perfect temp for, for outdoor exercise. And with this work from home, um, you can build in exercise at any time of day, mm. which is awesome. Yeah. So, last night I went for a quick run um, before our webinar. Yeah, I did as well. And then, yeah, I got to see the sunset down by the lake. It's oh, beautiful. No, you ran all, almost, you, all the way to the lake. Yeah, it's only... Um, I suppose if you go to the back of Kalani, like rather yeah. than... Yeah, I was thinking around Long Jetty Way. I said straight just down the, the hill yeah. from here, basically. Um, what's so that, what's that about a K from you? Yeah, about 1 point, yeah, 1.5. Yeah. Um, yeah, so it's a really nice little run. It's mm. all uphill on the way home, which sucks, but yeah. Um, yeah. So, uh, that's a little, that's my update. Mm. Um, I've actually today agreed to a challenge Ooh. with a friend who's doing it for charity. He's doing it for a cause. Mm. Um, wait, wait, wait. A friend. A friend. You don't I have a you friend. Don't have friends. You've I have got, other friends than you've you, You've got Dan. Jade, and then you've got workplace acquaintances Look, like me. I wouldn't even class you as a friend. All right? <laughs> no, I wouldn't a, even go that far. I'm a workplace proximity acquaintance, Tim. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, um, but yeah, no, uh, he wants to do the, what is it? Bondi to Manly run or Bro- walk. Okay. Which is 80 kilometers. 80 kilometers. He wants to do it in two days. Can I tell something to you, Tim, that I did, um, you'll <laughs> remember when I did a marathon in the Relay for Life. <laughs> that didn't count. And I, I walked most of it. I ran a little bit. But yeah. walking for that long sucks. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. 
Yeah, you, you don't you'd realize rather how, run it. Yeah, you don't like. I, I almost guarantee you'd much rather run it. Like I, yeah. I don't, I don't, I never realized how much it hurts after yeah. that much, and I, and it's just because of the amount of hours that you're constantly moving. It's not. Yeah, it's not how far you've gone. Yeah, it's just the constant repetitive movement, and eventually mm. everything just starts to hurt. So essentially, you're going to be doing that two days. Mm. In a row. In a row. I don't know. Back to back. Yes. So this could be six months from now. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> going to build up and try and do it. I can only run six kilometers at the pace that I like to run right now. So it's pretty good. Well, what do you run? Six minute Ks? Yeah, roughly. Yeah. yeah. So I'm probably like too crazy. a comfortable pace is like six and a half, six minutes. Yeah. That's like a slow jog. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Six is perfect. Yeah. Six is perfect. So, um, yeah. So anyway, that's, uh, I'm going to try and go running every second day. Yeah, that's cool. I've been, I've been doing a little bit of running with Kat. Uh, we're trying to, to add that into our workout re- regime. Um, yep. It's been really good, actually. I'm, in, I'm enjoying it again. It's been a while since I've been doing the running. I ran a 10K uh, towards the end of last year, and I had planned on doing a half marathon in July of this year. But yeah. I thoroughly doubt that's not on. So I guess nothing's uh, stopping you. No, nothing I just I just can't do it. I just can't do it. Then I guess. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure Macca, Macca probably feels that way as well mm. about it. Yeah. Um, Imagine but, if I run a marathon before you do. Uh, I already done a marathon, Tim. <laughs> I mean, I have uh, no doubt that you'll do it faster than my official time of eight hours and <laughs> forty minutes or something, but. <laughs> <sighs> but, no, uh, well, I've, I've I was planning. I didn't tell you. I was planning on crawling uh, <laughs> the, the eighty kilometers. So <laughs> you will be by the end. That's really cool, though. I like that. <laughs> yeah, thanks. So we'll see. Uh, we'll see how it goes. Mm. I'll, I'll update every week. I'll give a. I'm planning. My, I've already spoken to Mikey, the running guru of yep. the office. Yep. And I'm going to increase my runs by about a kilometer a week mm. until I get to ten, and then I'm just going to do five percent increases per week. Oh, nice. That's yeah. good. Is that his recommendation? He said, yeah, you wouldn't want to increase it any more than 10%. Yeah, so I think 5%, 5% seems... a week. You got hey, six months. You might be able to help me on this. Mm. Um, on my calculator, if I want to work out how many times it'll take to get to 50 by increasing 10 by 5%, how do I do that? Go, four unit maths. So it's like a compound interest formula. Yeah. So you've just got to write that formula down. Uh, Excel. Excel is really my best friend there. Oh, okay. Well, then, yeah, it's got a compound formula button, I think. I can't really do it on my on my calculator, though, could I? Um. Well, oh, I'll do this off air because it'll, <laughs> <laughs> it'll require some brackets and things. But, um, yeah, that's, that's cool. I like that. I reckon it'll be, a, yeah, a fair few weeks mm. to get to 40 from 10 at 5% increases. Mm. Nah, uh, it'll be faster than you think because the, at at start it'll be slow, but then it'll be mm. big increases when you get true. faster. True, true. Exponentially. And uh, you don't have to get all the way to forty, I don't reckon. No, I don't think so either. Speaking as someone who's who's done a marathon, I I didn't <laughs> I didn't do that distance um, before I did it. That was the, the longest was on the day. Oh, that's good. Yeah. Well, that's good to know that you can speak from experience. And mm. Yeah, it's like studying right for an path. exam. You want the peak knowledge to be on the day of the exam <laughs> and then it's just all downhill after that. You forget everything. Uh, mm. Brilliant. 
so uh, Tim, we're going to probably... Did you have a business update or are we going to skip the business update? No, nah, I think skip the... Skip, yeah. oh, I do save interesting emails to my mm. thingamajig. The reason why we're considering skipping is because today's um, episode is all about uh, the JobKeeper payments, the New South yeah. Wales grant and um, the rent relief that's been out there. It's sort of a sequel to our last webinar. We, did it, we recorded yeah. another webinar and, and that's going to be our main topic today. Yeah. Um, and we're just recording the intro now. But um, yeah, so if you have something, let's do it. If not, just, just a on. very quick one. Mm. Uh, I've heard some murmurs around super funds. And um, mm. so I don't know what you would refer to them as, probably the industry funds. Mm. Um, they carry a lot of unlisted assets, apparently. And so. Um, there is a bit of concern around the way that they've been valuing those assets mm. um, and whether or not they can actually turn those into liquid assets um, oh. to make cash available for people who are going to draw down $10,000 of their super as an early release. So there could be somebody the with... Yeah, so all these people might have a, a balance on paper of... 200 grand, whatever. But if, yeah. if 100 grand of that's tied up in a non-listed asset mm. that's valued at some weird way, you might not yep. be able to actually um, actualize yep. that value. Yes. So, <laughs> it's it's a little scary. Yeah. Um, look, I don't think it's going to happen. And you probably shouldn't stress if mm. you are in one of those funds. But I would just hate to see a super fund being bailed out. Mm. Within the next six months, I don't imagine think, that. I don't think that'll happen. I, I think, like, I, I'd accept a short-term loan to help with cash flow. Mm. While, although super funds can't loan, but like a some, some type of short-term money from the government mm. that they then have to pay back. Yeah. Um. Once they're able to actually sell the asset. Yeah. Um. At proper value, but yeah, I'd I'd hate just to hand out to the super. Now, what about uh, speaking of handouts and uh, bailouts? Mm. What about Virgin? What are your thoughts on that one? I haven't read all of it. Um, why don't you fill me in? I think the basic concept right now is um, they're looking for a $1.4 billion bailout mm. or that's potentially what they need. Yep. People, are, people are estimating. And um, the government is obviously the Australian government mm. um, is the person that would be providing that. Mm. Um, now, their main argument for the bailout package would be that Qantas needs competition. Otherwise, Qantas yeah, is going to be the only carrier in Australia. Because Qantas is getting a bailout already or because no, they're fine? Qantas isn't. I yeah. think Qantas is fine. Right. Uh, obviously, they're taking a large hit, but mm. not as big as Virgin. I think Virgin had mm. um, not cut as many costs as mm. Qantas. They'd recently added a lot of luxury lounges. They're trying to compete with Qantas. Mm. So, they were, they were trying to scale up and I think it's put them in a bit of a risky position mm. and this couldn't have hit it a worse time. I, I wouldn't have made that the argument. I, I would have made... Like it, it is an argument. You don't want Qantas to be a monopoly in the market and suddenly start charging whatever they want to charge for scarce mm. flights. But but you do, at the same time, I think a better argument could have been that um, that they... 
are in this position because of a government initiative to shut down all travel. You know what I mean? Like, no, true. Like, that's true. You, you could kind of argue instead, like, oh, yes, I know coronavirus was a thing, but you guys made the decision to stop our industry from being able to do anything. Mm. Therefore, you need to help us through it. That's true. I can, I can see that. Mm. So, would you be upset if the government gave them the bailout and that was it? Just move on. Taxpayer money used to probably virgin probably and we all move forward with our lives i'd probably Probably be fine with it i feel like the government should own a percentage of virgin if they're going to do that yeah i i I was thinking that there should be some some mechanism where maybe like a part of it is a bailout and another part of it is a loan or Mm. exactly like an investment yeah um yeah i'd be happy if it was just a gift of money because who are the major shareholders in virgin yeah, exactly. I, they're probably not Australian. Are they all Australian? Yeah. No, don't think so. Well, but so obviously, Virgin would be a, you know, Virgin, Richard Branson would be a stakeholder. Mm, um, exactly. He wouldn't own more than 50%, I don't imagine. that It'd be some yeah. type of licensing agreement to use the branding, but but yeah. he'd, he'd definitely own a percentage of it. This is the tricky thing because... The guy's a billionaire. Um, Why don't they get a loan from him? Exactly. You see all over the world, um, these airlines tied to the country are being bailed out mm. by their, I guess, what would you call it? Government country. <laughs> mm. Their original country. Mm. Like, um, but a, a, lot of, a lot of the times they're owned by a lot of international investors. <laughs> so it's it's a real weird one. And the, real the, strange the one. funny thing is that Qantas used to be owned by the government. Yeah, yeah. And then... But but it's the one that's not needing help. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I think they yeah. they've... They had hard times and mm. Alan Joyce has done a lot of co- cost cutting and mm. um, uh, made the company a lot more efficient over mm. the last few years. So that's what Virgin is trying to say mm. was because they had all of the competition mm. from, from us. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Otherwise, they'd still be a struggling company. It's so an interesting argument. It's interesting. It yeah. It's an interesting argument. It is interesting. All right. Uh, personally, I liked Virgin. I thought it was good. Yeah, so, I really like Virgin. That perspective. Yeah, I liked flying with them. I but, like flying uh, with Virgin. I think they're. I think yeah. I, they were often cheaper than Qantas. And I have uh, vested interest because they. I have credits with them now. I'm about four thousand dollars. <laughs> so, <laughs> what, what's going to happen with that money if they go under? Mm, I did read a, a thing that was saying that it suggested that potentially overseas travel, at least for like tourism and stuff, I'd imagine. Um, will at least be banned until next year. Mm. I- even if internally we open back up, wow. it might be that they start with, all right, well, you can travel within the country. Um, that makes sense. I mean, it makes a lot of sense. Yeah, because we're doing a lot better than a lot of other countries are doing. Like, yeah, imagine if we yeah. opened our borders up to the US. You can't risk people going over like, and getting yeah. it and coming back until there's a vaccine. Exactly. And you know that they aren't going to catch it and mm. bring it back. So, potentially, I think... Um, um, that Fiji trip we had on the on the cards, Tim is uh, yeah is gone. Yeah, we might have to go in Australia instead. That would be optimal if we could go in Australia instead. Mm. All right. Well, this is going to lead me on to the tight ass tip of the week, Dan. Go for it. Tight ass tip of the week. Bye, Tim. <laughs> <laughs> that's a new theme. I like it. Yeah, oh, that's one. Mm. Um, okay, so this week's tight ass tip is don't cancel. Get a credit. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So why? Uh, so, why? Look. Uh, okay. 
not a lot of companies are going to be offering refunds mm. right now. And I know that people will want a refund if they can get one. Yep. But keep in mind, um, if you don't cancel the trip and if it's canceled for you, then um, it's very likely that you'll be owed something from that company still. Mm. So if you put down a deposit that was non-refundable, um, you don't actually have to just throw that away. You could get a credit that you can use later yeah. when things come back to normal. So um, that would be my tip is to never actually... And people, look, I'm just imagining some people might just make a mistake and just be like, oh, that trip's done. I've blown my money mm. on that. Do everything you can to get a credit because you yeah, may, I may not use it, but um, it's definitely going to be better than paying an excess to get that paid back, depending on the amount. If it's like $15,000, all right, just maybe pay the excess. You mean like <laughs> an, an insurance claim? A travel yeah. insurance excess, yeah, yeah. yeah. Dan's so, hard-ass tip of the week, get travel yeah. insurance. Well, a hundred percent. I mean, <laughs> if, if your trip was, um, if you had to cancel your trip and it was non-refundable and you couldn't even get a credit, then travel insurance is going to be vital, which mm. luckily I think we had it for Fiji, but, mm. um, I would still prefer to use the credit rather than if my, if my credit's going to be, if I only paid three and a half grand for the trip or something like that mm. and an excess for insurance might be a thousand bucks. Um, I'd rather use a credit if I can use it in six months later. Mm. Depends as well, like what, what the credit is. Like with an airline, you can use that for anything, but it might be like a hotel in Fiji and it's like, well, I might not go back to Fiji <laughs> now. Like I'll yeah, probably get a right. refund on that That's... section, but the, the credit with the airline can be used anywhere. Well, you may remember one of my Tadas tips was the um, camper van company that I found in America. Yeah. Uh, this is like a good nine to 12 months ago, maybe. Mm, yeah. <laughs> I remember how excited you were. I got a good Black Friday sale deal or something like that. Um, yeah. So now I've got a 200 US dollar credit with them. But um, luckily, all I paid was the deposit. So, mm. uh, but yeah, I think if you can have the mindset of take your credit, um, obviously refunds where possible, but don't just cancel yep. and, and let it go. No, I get the for a credit because I don't think it's fair that if you've put a non-refundable deposit down and it's been canceled because of COVID-19, um, mm. you shouldn't just forfeit that and accept it. For sure. Mm. Um, and then document it somewhere, put it in a spreadsheet. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because I'm very don't quickly going to forget mm. all the people who owe me and how much they owe me. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Put it in a spreadsheet. Yeah, so I'm going to do that soon. All right, let's move on to our main topic then. So this is a webinar that we recorded earlier today um, about the JobKeeper payments, about the New South Wales grant, and about the rent relief. Um, Tim's bought a new shaver, which is good. <laughs> um, so we're going to get into that now. Um, have a listen. If you've got any more questions, get back to us, but we'll see you after this. Hit the wrong button. <laughs> Hi, everybody. Hey. <laughs> Welcome to, uh, I guess, the sequel to the original webinar last week. Um, actually, it was, what, two weeks ago now that we did the first webinar? That shows just, count, yeah, how much time If you count fine. our first podcast on the original stimulus announcement from the 12th. Yeah. So then that webinar, to then this webinar, that's three, Dan. That is three. So it's been, um, yeah, a fast pace 
moving uh, thing at the moment that, yeah, just two weeks after we did a whole web webinar on the stimulus package, we're having to do a second one um, to discuss any announcements since that date. So there's a lot to go through um, today. Specifically, we're going to be talking about the JobKeeper um, announcement. We're going to be talking about the New South Wales $10,000 grant, just because I've been getting a lot of phone calls about that. Uh, and also just the, the broad strokes around the rent um, relief um, and what the federal government and the state governments have agreed to in principle. Each state obviously is responsible for their own legislation there. And, and just yesterday, the New South Wales government announced um, some packages and, and a few more announcements around that. But just give you an idea of, of what they are saying about that and what you might be in, entitled to to chase up with your landlords. Uh, so, a lot to cover. A lot to cover. Yeah. Uh, we'll try and keep it uh, sort of high level so that we're not getting too complicated. Uh, we've got some slides. Dan's going to whip up now. And we'll be making this recording available online. We're going to put it onto the podcast as well. So you might be listening to the podcast right now. Um, it shouldn't really matter that you don't have the PowerPoint slides in front of you, but I guess you could go find the video right now if you really wanted to. Yeah. Um, most just, of the stuff that we talk about is just information on the slides. You don't really need to see worked examples. In that's this right. One. Yeah. Just like the last one, we're going to release it both as a video and as um, a podcast. So if you're listening to the podcast, thanks for listening. If you're watching it on video, hey, go subscribe to the podcast because we're, <laughs> we're going to have uh, new information every week on that podcast. Last week, we had a great chat with an employment lawyer um, discussing all the, all the relevant issues there. And we're going to have more and more content about um, the situation we're all finding ourselves in over the next few weeks. So yeah, make sure you subscribe there to keep up to date each and every week. So this first slide is just the cat's logo. Um, I do like to tell people, some people listening to this are clients, others are just business owners in the community or even employees of businesses. Our purpose is to support, teach and grow at Cats Accountants. Um, so we want to share information where we think it's useful and powerful uh, for people that can use it. Uh, and right now, obviously, information like this is, is really useful. So um, a platform that we've been using for a few years is the podcast, The Two Drunk Accountants, um, which you can find on any podcast platform, Spotify or Apple Podcasts. We'd love it if you followed us or subscribed and reviewed uh, so that other people could find us. Um, but yeah, essentially... We want to give you information and um, the best thing that you can help us with is by sharing that information with others and spreading it uh, amongst the community because that's what this is all intended for is just to help people. Yeah, that's right. And that's the whole reason we have been doing the podcast is because we want to support Teach and Grow, um, our clients and our community. So all this content is completely free. Um, obviously, if you need more advice and more help, get in touch and we'd, we'd love to help you. But the idea of today and, and every week on the podcast is, is just to provide that extra information for everybody and to help as many people as we can and give you the power to make informed decisions. And if you listen to the podcast, you know, before every, every episode, it goes something like, all this information is general in nature. If you need something more specific... Contact us. <laughs> oh, uh, snap, Tim. That was, uh, that, was, that was pitch perfect, that was. <laughs> Just to give you an idea of how perfect that was, here is the actual intro. 
This is just a heads up that all the advice you're hearing in this podcast is general in nature. That if you want something like, more specific, you almost said it identical. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's great. All right. Well, let's let's move on to the the actual content that people are here for, Tim. Cool. So, as we said, the first thing that we're going to cover today is the JobKeeper payment, and that's the one that most people have heard about in the past two weeks. It was crazy that we did this big webinar about all the stimulus packages, and an <laughs> even bigger one came out about a week later. So, yeah. Um. So, yeah. Why, why don't you start here, Tim? What what, what is okay. it? Yeah, so it's a, essentially a $1,500 per fortnight um, payment of wages to subsidize, uh, subsidize employees. So, um, yeah, it does go way further than the initial cash flow boost, which was um, saving people um, paying tax withheld on their employees' wages. This one actually pays the gross wages of employees. Um, and that $1,500 figure is a before tax figure. So that's the gross wages. Now this is, yeah, yeah this is for, sorry, Dan, you go. What no, no, that's say? right. I, I was just agreeing with you that, yeah, the, hmm. the one point to, to note that it is before tax. So you, you do hmm. actually withhold tax from that. It's not much. Um, yeah, I actually have a calculation yeah. on a later slide as to roughly how much tax it, it looks like. So, um, so for employees, this is for employees who are, employed in your business as at the 1st of March, 2020, um, and also who have been retained in employment. It doesn't mean that if you stood them down or let them go for a few weeks amongst all that chaos and then brought them back in, that they won't be um, eligible. It just means that any new employees that you hired or took on after the 1st of March uh, won't be eligible for this payment. Um, this payment is... Uh, must all be paid out. So the $1,500 per fortnight has to be paid in its entirety to the employees, even if it's higher than their normal pay. Some casual employees might not earn that in a fortnight. So you have to pay all of it. Um, and then basically how it will work is you pay it out each fortnight, at least $1,500. And then the government and through, via the ATO will refund you those payments a month in arrears. So the first amounts that will be refunded to employers will be in the first week of May. So yeah. that's roughly three weeks from now. And as Tim's noted in the slide just here, cash flow is the first thing that comes to mind then. Because if, if you're paying an employee normally you know, $600 a fortnight and now you have to pay them $1,500 a fortnight, um, you might not have the money to do that. Um, so how do you take advantage of that um, and and do the right thing by paying them the full amount like you meant to if, if the cash flow doesn't actually happen for a month later. Um, so as noted here, bank finance is something that was discussed by the government um, talking to your banks who have said that they would be willing to use um, the JobKeeper payments as sort of a, a security um, to cash flow these payments in the meantime. Uh, I'm yet to actually hear of mm. any banks doing this at this point because it's, yeah. it's brand new, but but it's something that you should talk to your bank about. It's likely that the banks will enact something over the next few weeks. And I know that the wheels are turning on, we went, we mentioned in our first or well, second webinar, but the, the live webinar we did a few weeks ago about the, the government-backed um, loans for mm. small business. Yep, It seems like that wheel is still in motion. I feel like I'm going to sneeze. Um, but yeah, it, we haven't seen any of those loans actually being given out yet. So um, 
we'll, we'll see what happens, but hopefully something pops up in the next few weeks there for employers who need to help, help with cash flow to partake in this system. But if, I mean, worst came to worst, if you couldn't partake until those loans are available, then you can always join in in April, May, June, because it's running from March 30th. That's when they'll start reimbursing payments after um, to September 27. And they've given themselves the option to extend it to December. Mm. So in the bill that they passed, there was an option to extend it a further three months after the end of September. So we'll see. We'll see what ha- is happening at that point. Yeah. I'm expecting there will be more and more stimulus announced um, if this goes goes on longer yeah so. and, and something to point out here is that the the legislation that was passed was quite interesting from from all i've i've heard is that it wasn't particularly a um you know the the previous legislation with the stimulus package were very detailed they had specific examples and how you qualify and how you don't qualify what they seem to have done in this one is provide a framework that allows the government to ramp it up and bring it down so mm. that essentially means that the rules are going to be made up as we go uh, yeah. Which is why it's been so confusing and, and why we don't have a lot of details about it to this point because um, they're literally, you know, um, designing it as they go. Yeah, exactly right. Um, so the next step is eligibility. So that's all the details about what the JobKeeper payment is. I think most people are across most of those details. Yeah. Um, the eligibility is, is the thing which we've had a lot of questions on. Um, and to be honest... We do know the rough frame uh, guidelines, I suppose, for eligibility, mm. but we still don't know the definite specifics. Mm. So for some people, their turnover is going to be less than $1 billion. So a lot of businesses fit into that. Um, <laughs> and if you're and listening to this podcast and it's above a $1 billion, then get in touch because <laughs> <We'd> love <to laughs> I'd love to know how you got uh, onto this podcast. Yeah, maybe it's it could even be the uh, chief financial officer of the Essendon Football Club. Yeah, if, if that's the case, then what if um, turnover is direct all billion. of your inbox uh, emails to Tim. <laughs> Um, so yeah, if, if your turnover is less than 1 billion and you're, you're estimating that your turnover has fallen or will fall by greater than 30%, then you are eligible for the job keeper payment. That's now right. the problem is, um, what is the comparison period for that? What if I'm at 29% and not 30%? Mm. What if between the comparison period? So this month, last year and this month, this year, I sold or I bought a business or I merged with another business or I grew substantially, which a lot of people were trying to do, obviously. I mean, that's, that's a good thing to try and do with your business. Um, And the simple answer that we've been given is that the ATO are willing to consider all circumstances. Yeah, that's right. Um, What they've kind of said is that it's almost going to be on a case by case basis and the ATO are going to have the discretion to take further evidence. So, um, what they're doing at the moment for most people, it's going to be a comparison from the current month or quarter, whatever your BAS lodgement period would be, um, and the period that we're looking at for that particular JobKeeper payment. So if it's the month of March, or sorry, the month of April, for instance, you're comparing April this year to April last year. Um, but as Tim said, if you weren't in business in April last year or your business has significantly changed, then that's not going to suit you. Um, so they have said that they are going to take further evidence. Um, we're assuming that during the registration process, there will be a, a button to push or, or a, 
um, a, a tick box to tick to say mm. that that option's not suitable for me and I'd like to discuss it further and, and you'll be able to provide further evidence. Yeah, and essentially, um, I think we can break it down into three different categories right now. People who will definitely be eligible because there's no doubt that their turnover has declined by more than 30% compared to this time last year. Yep. And then there's people who probably will be eligible based on some other circumstance. Mm -hmm. Say they've grown between last year and now and they can prove that they have more employees or they bought a business or something's changed in their business um, that wasn't relevant last year compared to what their new average is. Yeah. So, and and um, maybe you can compare it to the period immediately before instead of a year before, or maybe yeah. you can compare it to projections that you'd, you'd done, um, you know, a few months yeah. earlier. Um, I think, who knows? Yeah. The challenge is you just can't guarantee if you're in that boat right now, you can't guarantee that you'll, you will be receiving the job keeper payment. Um, so there is a bit of a judgment call to make in terms of, um, paying people if you have stood people down and bringing them back mm -hmm. you do need to make a bit of a judgment call knowing that um you're not guaranteed to receive the job keeper payment you will need to seek special uh, classification yeah from the ATO. my advice for you would be um pre-register which which we'll talk about in a second but pre-register on the website as soon as that registration process opens try and register for it um and go through that and if it looks like it's going to be relatively easy for you to do that and you get the tick of approval, then start doing the payments straight away. Um, but just really keep an eye out for that registration process to, to go through it. Yeah. So um, something else we've got on the slide here is that um, sole traders, partnerships and trusts. And this is something they miss the boat a lot um, in the initial cash flow boost. Yeah. Because they often don't employ themselves. If you're a sole trader, you can't pay yourself wages. Um, if you're a partnership or a trust, you often don't pay yourself wages. You can't pay yourself wages as a partnership either. Um, yeah. But, but yeah. as a trust, um, you can, but a lot of people don't. They just take trust distributions. Um, exactly. So, so what happens there is um, they were missing out on the cash flow boost because um, they weren't actually paying any tax withheld from wages, therefore didn't get it. But this one, um, the JobKeeper payment, they've allowed one person in that situation within that business to receive the JobKeeper payment, which is, which is good, for, great for sole traders because you'll definitely get it if you make the other elig uh, eligibility criteria. But for a partnership, let's say you're a partnership between, let's say, me and Tim, um, mm -hmm. well, only one of us could get the JobKeeper even though we're both legitimately in that business working. Or if you're a trust and there's a number of you legitimately working in that business but you just take trust distributions, um, then only one of you can receive that JobKeeper payment. Um, so what we recommend is nominate one of you get, to get it and the other one should go get, say, um, the job seeker if your business has been that severely affected that you don't have any wage whatsoever. Looks like we're drawing straws then, Dan, hey? Yeah, is that's that... right. <laughs> I'll have the biggest straw. Uh, <laughs> so that, that is a little bit frustrating, but at least they are letting one person nominate to be eligible. How are they going to do that? We're still not entirely sure. So <laughs> there, yep. there will be a process and they will be um, letting people know how to participate in that. Yeah, that's right. So moving on here, there are a few exclusions. Um, so 
banks that I think it's anyone that was eligible for the bank levy or, or something like that. So essentially, mm. it's just banks. Uh, any government organizations can't go for it, or, or if you're owned by the government or a government organization, you can't go for it. Uh, companies in liquidation um, or in bankruptcy, and uh, any specific sectors that are giving getting government um, support that state that they can't get JobKeeper. So what's mm. being um, spoken about this is that there are some industries, say the airline industry, um, that might be getting specific bailouts. Yeah. Um, and the government have said, well, if you're getting something like that, then we don't think you should get JobKeeper as well. And yeah. and um, it's it's an example like that that, that might be it. But for most of you listening, you will not fall into those categories. For sure. And there are just a few tricky employee eligibility criteria that you should be aware of. So um, this is if you are eligible based on your turnover going down or you have a specific case that the ATO is willing to accept. Next, you have to decide, well, um, I'm going to find my employees that this will work for. Because keep in mind, it might not work for every employee if you've got new employees um, or casual employees. So a casual employee must have been employed for at least 12 months as at the 1st of March, 2020. It sounds like if they were at 11 months employment, then they won't be eligible for the JobKeeper payment. Mm -hmm. And even though they will become uh, a 12 month employee during the time, I'm unclear as to whether they will um, be eligible. Uh, Yeah. I'm not sure if let's say they become eligible in May um, if you can then register them for it. Um, I don't think so. The uh, way yeah. it was written, the sounds way it was like written in the, the FAQ, mm. it sounds like it had to be at the 1st of March, 2020. Yeah, right. mm. um, also, they have to be, yeah, over 16. Um, at Which that is date. relevant for like fast food restaurants or restaurants often have people under 16 yep. working with them. Uh, this one's interesting. So, they have to be an Australian citizen or hold a permanent visa or um, the subclass 444, which is just a New Zealand citizen I, I believe yeah yeah so that's an important one too um you may or may not know about um the citizenship of your employees so mm. definitely just check in on that one um because again you don't want to be paying these payments out uh and later on find out that you weren't eligible to receive the subsidy and then owe that back to the ato yeah i, I think the example that a lot of people are giving are uh, uh, hospitality there, there'd be a lot of people in bars and hotels Definitely. and things like that that are they're from overseas they might have been a backpacker or they might just be living here um for a short period working working on a temporary um, visa on a temporary mm. visa who aren't eligible for these payments so you might have a large portion of your workforce if you're in one of those industries and in, say a popular tourism area um, who you can't access these payments for. Um, so they also have to be a resident for Australian tax purposes. So citizenship and residency for tax purposes are a different thing. Mm. Just because they hold that citizenship doesn't mean they are a resident for Australian tax purposes. And that one's a little bit tricky. So seek clarification on that one if you're unsure. Mm-hmm. Um, but generally any Australian permanent resident who um, is living in Australia and working in Australia is a, is a resident for Australian tax purposes. But this is talking more about Australians who could be working overseas mm. for an Australian company for a short period of time, maybe six months. Mm. Are they a resident for Australian tax purposes or not? Often they're trying to argue they're not because tax rates are lower overseas, but for this one. Uh, so the next thing here, um, not in receipt of a job keeper payment from another employer. So this is an interesting one for somebody who might be, say, a sole trader, but also has a job somewhere. Um, let's say they do 
um, cleaning part-time, um, but they also are employed as an employee somewhere else as well. Um, yeah. You can only get a JobKeeper payment from one of those situations. You can't get it from both. So you must be either nominate the sole trader or nominate as the employee of that business. Yeah. And like we mentioned before, just remember new employees are not eligible. Yeah. Um, so just a few, just something that was only raised to my attention this morning, actually, um, by Trina and our team, she mentioned, uh, well, she sent through an email, uh, with some information from zero mm. and zero are actually working on setting up their software so that it will help you determine eligibility of employees, uh, where possible. So yeah, that's great. they're going to try and make the process a bit easier by the sounds of things to report to the ATO and participate in the job keeper program, which is really exciting. And that's something that we want to get someone from zero onto the podcast in yep. the next week or two to discuss. Yeah, that's great. That's really good. Um, really good initiative by zero to help people figure out who is eligible and who's not eligible. Cause it's, it's not exactly easy for everybody who might not be used to going through this kind of thing. Yep. So yeah. how do you participate? Um, so at the moment you can register your interest by going to that link, but if you just type in JobKeeper ATO, the website will come up. Um, what you do now is you express your interest and when the official registrations open, even though the period where payments should have begun started two weeks ago, um, official registration hasn't actually opened yet. I'm assuming they're just getting it all together. Um, yeah. But go to that, register your interest when things do open up for you to go in and do the official process and they're going to let you know. Yeah. So um, another thing here that's really interesting is you do need to inform your employees that you've nominated them as an eligible employee. And that makes sense just in case they have a job somewhere else. Mm. So um, that's important. Yep. That's right. Um, Also, uh, continue to prepare and use single touch payroll. So this is going to be the mechanism that the ATO are going to be checking a lot of this information. So uh, every time you do a pay run using single touch payroll, you're submitting all that information to the ATO. So if you're claiming the JobKeeper payment, um, but the payments to some of those employees have been less than the 1500 then the ATO are going to know about that pretty quickly um, and you won't be eligible for those people anymore. Um, or yeah, if you can so- stop hiring, uh, stop employing those people, for instance. Something uh, interesting here is if you uh, haven't been using single touch payroll, I don't think it's too late to start using it. No, Um, definitely not. So that's not going to stop you from participating in this. I know I actually did have a question from someone around that this morning. Um, So just because you haven't quite got that set up yet, that's not anything to stress about. Uh, And and it is quite quick and easy to set up if you're using a software like Xero. Um, that is up to date and has all of the functionality that you mm-hmm. need, it's quite an easy thing to do. So yep. um, it's more a matter of just catching up, getting getting that registration set up in your software. Yeah. So, um, yeah. Yep. Um, so for sole traders and the partnerships and trust that we mentioned, because you're not actually processing any payroll, there will be some manual processing there. Um, from what I understand, you'll also have to be nominated, I'm sorry, giving some information to the ATO every month to ensure that you're still eligible for the payments. Um, Because let's say that you were down 30% one month, but then the following month your business actually improved. Um, Well, obviously you're not eligible anymore. Um, Mm. And and it's it's a little bit difficult because some of these things you're making um, assumptions and and you're making predictions Mm. on on the next month of what you think your revenue is going to be. And they 
have stated that it's going to be a little bit of leeway for people who in good faith um, made a prediction that their revenue would be 30% reduct, uh, reduced. Uh, but it turns out it's it's slightly less than that. So, you know, if you're 29% or 28% for that month, then you will be fine as long as it's not 28% every single month. Um, it's just that one month that, you know, you, you might have um, over-predicted the reduction a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. So, that, that was a welcome um, thing for me to read. Mm. Um, so, payments in, as I mentioned before, the first payment from the ATO will be in the first week of May 2020 yep. and every month from that point. So don't forget, you will have to cash flow this mm-hmm. for the employees. Hopefully, you're in a position where that's not a problem. Um, for this first month, if you have missed paying the full $1,500 a fortnight since the 30th of March, mm-hmm. uh, we read that you will be able to make a top up yep. um, and report that to the ATO. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, that's that's something to keep in mind. Whether or uh, not you, you have to do that before they make the payment, which I kind of assume is probably going to be the case. I think you will. Yeah, mm. so, which means you'll have to um, cash flow that somehow, either getting some finance from the bank or, or, or whatnot. Yeah. At least, at very least, you're going to need to have reported to the ATO using single-touch payroll that you've paid those employees $1,500 yep. a fortnight. So, that's... that's uh, a definite. Um, sorry, there was just a couple more on that previous slide, Dan. Um, payments out. So, um, yeah, the top-up payment. Yeah, cool. No, we did yeah. cover all that. <laughs> <laughs> that was very succinct. Um, so, yeah, and then there's just some interesting tidbits. Hmm. Um, the super one is the super one is a little complicating. Um, it's yeah, you need to think about what you would normally be paying the employee for their work. That's what you uh, will owe super on. So uh, here's an example. If uh, because of all this, you've had to scale back the hours of your employees Mm -hmm. and their pay is ordinarily, let's just say 50 bucks an hour, um, which is good pay. I'd like to be on 50 bucks an hour. Mm. Um, So let's just say uh, they would usually work 38 hours a week, but instead you're going to scale it back to be 10 hours a week. Yep. So that's $500 of gross pay per week, $1,000 mm-hmm. over a fortnight. Yep. You would still need to pay that employee $1,500 to participate in the JobKeeper program, yep. but you only owe super on the $1,000, yeah. which would ordinarily be paid to them based on their hourly rate and hours worked. Yeah. So the the thing to take out of this is that you can't reduce someone's pay amount, um, but only the hours that they work to calculate this. So if if you're paying, as exactly what Tim said, if if their normal pay rate is fifty dollars and they're actually only working ten hours, then you've still got to pay super on the ordinary earnings that they would have received for that week had they just normally worked ten hours. Um, and then the rest, the top up amount, you don't need to pay super on. Or you can if you want, but you don't have to. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, um, and if, if an employee is earning more than $1,500 a week and you're just getting $1,500 against, you know, a wage subsidy against their usual amount, then you just have to pay their normal super, whatever you'd normally yeah. pay them. Yeah, so just keep in mind, you probably will have to pay super yep. to your staff and the functionality around figuring out how much is going to be down to how Zero set up or your payroll software set up um, your pay runs because there's going to be some hours in there which is just ordinary hours and there's going to be 
possibly some time in there, which is for the job keeper. Yeah. If they're over $1,500 just for normal hours, well, then it's easy. You just pay super on the whole amount. Yeah. So just going through these next few points quickly, um, you can rehire people who you've had to stand down because of COVID and they are eligible, um, which is interesting. And you can back pay them. And you can yeah. back pay them for those periods with the 1500 amount. Um, yeah. As we said earlier, tax does need to be withheld from the $1,500 a fortnight payment. It's like any normal wage. Um, and it's $200 a fortnight roughly. Uh, or if they're not claiming the tax-free threshold, $435 a fortnight, yeah. um, which is interesting actually because then you don't actually have to pay that to the ATO in the next few months yeah. because of the yeah. cash flow because boost. Because of the cash flow boost. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, so, a little bit of extra cash in your pocket. Um, there's, your, there's, your super, there's your super back. Yeah, they, yeah exactly. Um, so, uh, if an employee resigns, you need to inform the ATO ASAP so those payments stop. Um, and then also employees on work cover are not eligible. Interesting. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. They have to be working for you. So, yeah. So that's, that's the job keeper payment. Um, a lot of the detail about exactly how to apply if you're in one of those awkward situations where you weren't, um, your business wasn't the same a year ago or wasn't even around a year ago. We're going to find that more when you actually go through the process of registering and, and what the kind of information the ATO are actually asking for. Um, but until we go through that, we don't really know. But yeah. essentially, the main step to take is to go to that um, website, register your interest, and keep up to date. As soon as registration's open, jump in and do it. So, Perfect. the next one here, we'll just go through quickly, is because I've had a lot of phone calls, people saying, oh, the New South Wales are giving me $10,000 grant. Is that right? Um, <laughs> no, not exactly right. Essentially, there's going to be grants available for small businesses up to $10,000, and it's up to $10,000. Um, for unavoidable expenses, which can include uh, utilities, um, rent, uh, salaries, as long as they're not eligible for JobKeeper. So these would be those people who might have been um, an overseas yeah, uh, um, visa sure. holder or, or, or something like that, um, mm. or, or a casual employee who hasn't been there for a year. So these, this is something that you might be able to apply for to help. Or a new employee. Or a new employee. Um, and then also marketing costs, financial, legal, and most importantly, accounting fees <laughs> for business continuity planning. Uh, a little plug, we're doing a bit of a group um, to go through some cash flow forecasting and things like that. So get in touch with us if you need any more support. Um, but mm. people who are eligible, it's similar, similar kind of criteria. But uh, as at the 1st of March, you need to have had an ABN and have a business based in New South Wales. You must be a small business, um, but your turnover has to be more than 75000 So it's kind of, well, that's a, an extra zero added there. Um, 750. Yeah, not 750, <laughs> only 75. So let's correct that. 75000 Um You need to be an employer. So you can't just be a sole trader, unfortunately. Mm. But you need to employ between one and 19 people. So if you employ more than 20 people, then you're not eligible for this anymore. Um, but your payroll tax needs, uh, so you must be below the payroll tax threshold, which means you need to pay wages of less than 900000 And your turnover has to have declined by 75%, and you need to show that over a two-week period from an equivalent time in 2019. Um, but it's the same thing as the JobKeeper. If your business wasn't around then or wasn't representative of where it is now, um, mm -hmm. they will take other information, um, which is good. Um, how to apply, you just go to that link. If you just go to Service New South Wales and, and go to a small business COVID-19 support grant, just Google that, this link will come up. Um, you need to provide some information, a BAS, um, lodging support documentation as requested, which I'm assuming yeah. will just be like 
detailing out what expenses you're actually looking to pay because it's not just money in mm. your bank. Yeah, I think you have to actually say that it's these costs and this is how much it's going to be. Yeah, I think um, letter from accountant is going to be really important here mm. as well. Yeah, um, so it so says I'm that. expecting to receive lots of requests for letters. <laughs> yeah, the interesting thing, if, if you're in a highly impacted industry and they have a whole list and there's a lot of industries, which is like um, transport, tourism, um, uh, all sorts of people, there's a big list of industries um, and specific categories within those industries who are eligible. You don't need this letter from an accountant. But, oh, if, but if you're cool. not in those industries, you do. Um, and basically the letter just needs to confirm your income reduction and that you meet the other eligible uh, eligibility criteria. Mm. Um, so they have said that they will actually audit people um, within five years. Um, so it's, you need to be able to substantiate and keep records of the reduction, what figures you used, what expenses you paid, all that kind of thing um, mm. for up to five years. And as I said here, um, the government does have the discretion to take further evidence if using a two-week period and comparing it to the same period last year doesn't actually apply for you. So what they're saying is don't get the $10,000 grant and go buy a toy. <laughs> exactly, exactly. <laughs> they will actually probably check what you spend it on. Yeah, so. exactly. So um, that's the New South Wales government grant. Yeah, essentially it is a $10,000 grant to cover cost, but it's not just $10,000 for everybody. Your business needs to be reduced by 75%, which is pretty significant. Um, so I, I can't imagine there'll be lots of people um, eligible for that. Um, but mm. there will definitely be a fair few, I guess, yeah. as well. No, I can definitely. Yeah. So yeah, I, that's a good help. Yeah. So an, another another thing here, the, the $10,000 can be used to pay rent. Um, but there has been a lot discussed around the rent relief um so rent is a state by state thing it's 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 run by state governments it's legislated by state governments so the federal government can't actually come out with its its own specific rules around this but what they did is in their coag meetings with everyone together national cabinet um they came up with a list of principles that each state is then going to go off and, and legislate for and, and make their own rules around. So New South Wales just yesterday came out with a whole bunch of new announcements around rent relief for residential and commercial tenants. Um, but you'll just have to watch out for those specifically in each state, wherever you live. But I just wanted to give a brief idea of the different, um, I guess, the codes that they all agreed to try and adhere by. Um, essentially, there's going to be a hold on evictions for six months um, if you're in financial distress. So if you're not in financial distress and you just don't pay your rent, then this doesn't include you. Um, mm. You need to be a small, medium business for these particular ones um, and eligible for job keeper payments. So if you meet the criteria, the 30% reduction, and you're eligible for the job keeper payments, then you should be also eligible for these. Mm. Um, what the code basically says is that um, as long as the tenants and the landlords agree and they discuss this, then the landlord can't terminate the lease um, and the tenant needs to remain committed to that lease or the amendments that are made. Um, and then all these protections can, can fall into place. The reduction in your rent needs to be proportionate to the reduction in what your turnover has received. So if your turnover has dropped 50%, then there is cause um, for you to ask your landlord to reduce your rent by 50% for the time being. Um, 
but the reduction that you receive is split between two different things, waivers and deferrals. A waiver is essentially you never have to pay that rent and a deferral is, all right, you don't need to pay it right now, but you will pay it back to me at a later point. And what they're saying Mm. is that of the total reduction that you receive, so let's say that um, you have $1,000 a week rent and your business has reduced 30%. Um, and you're going to ask them to reduce your rent 30%, so you only need to pay 700 this week. Um, well, of the $300 reduction, 50% of that needs to be a waiver, and the rest is going to be a deferral. So that means $150 you'll never have to pay, but the other $150 you will have to pay at some point. Um, what they're saying is that $150 each week will then be amortized over the remaining of the lease, but for a period of no less than 24 months. And that starts after... The COVID period has finished and the, what they're calling a, a, a reasonable recovery period. So they're allowing people to trade for some months after everything's reopened back up before they then have to start repaying um, the deferred amounts. For two years or more. Yeah. So um, there's going to be a fair bit of leeway given to pay it back. Yeah, that's right. Mm. So any reductions in, say, land tax, rates, insurance uh, must be passed on to the tenant in proportion. And also, if the landlord has received benefits such as loan deferrals from their bank, then that also needs to be passed on. So they can't be forcing their tenant to pay full rent while they're not having to pay loan repayments and insurance premiums, for instance. Um, They also can't charge you interest and fees, and they can't draw on your security deposit to do this. So I can see a lot of landlords asking this. All right, yeah, no problem. We'll give you a deferral, but there's going to be interest, or there's going to be a fee, or we're going to keep your security deposit. They can't do that, Um, which is good. I think it's important for that protection to be there. For sure. And they also can't say, yep, no problem, but we're going to increase your rent starting next year because of this. The only tricky thing that we see here is the practicality of it. Mm. So it's good to have all these principles in place, but there is no set procedure to go about negotiating this with your Mm. landlord or or the real estate agent. So um, like we've heard of some people being asked for a cash flow projection. Um, We've heard other people just being asked to just pay the rent uh, as much as they can for as long as they can. Um, So yeah, you do need to know your rights in this mm. area if you have been affected in terms of your turnover so that you can stand up for yourself and negotiate fairly and reasonably yeah. with the landlord. So we're not, you know, you're not trying to rip anyone off here or do anything wrong by your landlord, but um, it's in their interest to keep a tenant in their property um, over this period as well because that's going to be a really valuable commodity once we come out of coronavirus world is, uh, is a tenant. <laughs> yeah, I, I think, I think that's the, you need to, one, know your rights and know what you might be entitled to and, and, and hold firm to your ground, but also know your obligations. Know that you can't just say, I'm not paying rent for six months. Yep. Um, it, it needs to be agreeable for both parties and it needs to be in proportion to whatever reduction you've received, basically. Yeah, definitely. Cool. So. Well, they're the three real initiatives that we wanted to speak about today essentially for all of them you just need to be able to go to those websites and register your intent um, and go through the process there once information is requested from you Um, where to go to get more information well there's the podcast we'll be doing this Mm -hmm. every week providing updates because obviously this is a, a changing thing a moving beast and we will be 
providing updates every single week on the podcast about things that have changed and new information that's out there. So subscribe to the podcast. Make sure you listen um, every week because we will be providing you with this information. Yeah, yeah. We try and make it a bit of fun. This is obviously serious content, but uh, the other we'll go and record the other portions of the uh, podcast after this, and they're usually a lot more fun than this. So. <laughs> yeah, we're, this one's a bit real. Uh, normally, <laughs> normally there's real content in the middle, surrounded by some some good quality banter. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, thanks, everybody. Um, I hope you got some more information out of this. And if you have any further questions, feel free to get in touch with us um, via email or through our social medias, and and we'll get back to you um, with whatever we can help with. Yeah, we um, hope you all had a good Easter and you're all um, making your way uh, throughout this this strange time, Um, staying focused, staying optimistic, and looking towards the future trying to maximize potentially what is a unique opportunity to get some support from the government and maybe change your business to be bigger, better and stronger once this uh, ordeal is finished. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Try and stay optimistic and push, build that bridge. Exactly. All right. Well, thanks everybody. And uh, we'll speak to everybody soon. Bye. Bye. Ah, hit the wrong button again. <laughs> and we're back. Did you do that on purpose? I actually didn't. I, just, I was, It's on a bit of a wonky table and I tried to press it anyway. <laughs> anyway, that was a good good little webinar that we did. Um, if you have any more questions, get in touch with us. We're happy to answer as many as we can. Um, we'll hear all the details about where to get in touch with us at the end of this. But Tim, do you have any tight-ass tips? No, not a tight-ass tip. Do you have any other things? <laughs> I'm all over the place. Can you hit that um, cricket noise, please? <laughs> That's right. I just made you cricket yourself. Mm. All right. Do you have <laughs> an other thing? Uh, other thing, other thing. Um, I downloaded an app which has been quite handy. People might be able to tell me that there's a better app though. So please, if you know of a better app, let me know. But the running app I'm using right now is Nike Run Club. So, so is this just to track how far you're running? Yeah, I find mm. this is quite handy because I don't have a Garmin watch or anything like that at this stage. So I just take my phone with me, listen to music, and I like it you, communicates to me every kilometer. It you have an me. Apple Watch, don't you? Uh, I do, but it's a uh, it's kind of yeah, it's kind of dead. Right. So my the Apple Watch does that. Also, okay. So maybe I need to get an Apple Watch. Um, mm. Can you play music from your watch through to your headphones? Yes. Does it work okay? Yes, it does. Really? Um, it mm. has Bluetooth in it. You just have to get one of the newer generation ones. Yeah, they work a bit better. Yeah. yeah. So you can play music. Have... They have their own data. You have to nice. pay for that, obviously. I think I pay like yeah. five bucks a month and I don't have yeah. to take my phone anywhere. Nice. Um, and it tracks, it has GPS. So it tracks where you go, how far you go, your heart rate, tells you every K. Yeah. Um, That's so good. But the other options, there's other apps that I've used in the past. Runkeeper was one that I've used in the past. Um, And then I've used some of those apps that are like couch to 10K or like where where it like builds you up the training from nothing to half marathon or something like that. I've I've used those as well. But the Nike one would probably be good because I'm assuming you can be part of like a community. Oh, uh, Strava? Strava? Strava. That's a big one actually. Maybe I should look into Strava. That one's used worldwide. Um, yeah. and it's really, really popular 
and let me just go to here. Yeah, Strava. Um, it's kind of like a social media for running. But oh, I remember they did a, cool. they did a thing once, um, and they showed like a heat map of everyone in the world using Strava because it maps the tracks right. that people use, and you can see the world and the red That's lines awesome. where most people do their running. That's awesome. And you could they even went over like you could go to South Korea, uh, sorry North Korea, and there was um, like foreign like uh, diplomats and whatever yeah. who, who are in North Korea and going for the, a run in the morning using Strava wow. and you can see the main like outline of a of a of a army base somewhere where people like <laughs> are going for their run. <laughs> wow, that's so game. Mm. That is so game. Um yeah, so yeah, Strava. Okay. Strava. I'll check that out. But if uh yeah, watch. listeners if you want to add me and become a run pal, then I'm on Nike Run Club right now. I'll 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 be a run pal with you Tim. Do you want to be a run pal? Yeah, I'm not running cool. very far it adds at the up moment. Your total kilometers too. I'm sure. I'm sure um, that other one does that. As well. No, no. Oh, well, Strava does. Strava does. Strava. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, I should. Um, I should try out Strava mm. as well. But um, yeah, what about you, Dan? Got another thing? My other thing this week. Um, I think last week I spoke about the Scrubs podcast. Um, mm-hmm. they're now two episodes a week because they've got nothing better to do while they're sitting oh, in awesome. quarantine. Yeah. I love that podcast, by the way. I listened to it. It was so good. Yeah, it's it's real good. So today's yeah. episode had the creator of the show on there as well. Ah, brilliant. Yeah, Bill. So, yeah, Bill Lawrence. Bill Lawrence. Yeah, he, he also gonna, made uh, Spin City uh, and Cougar Town. Do they go for an hour each? Yeah, they go for over an hour. The Today's one for an hour and a half. So good. Yeah. I'm loving it. And I'm going to put that on for my mm. run. Yeah. Later. So, such a good idea for the run because it just keeps you so distracted. Yeah. It, oh, they make me laugh. Yeah. They're, they bounce off each other so well. Yeah. It's, it's, like, a, it's like they're a Tim and Dan. It's like, yeah, it's <laughs> kind of like the, the, the two drunk accountants of the entertainment world, really. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I guess. And the um, world? So, well, we're kind of in the entertainment world. Yeah, we're entertaining. Um, so, well, maybe. But so, so that's <laughs> one of my other things is that that's now two episodes a week. But the other thing is, I'm, I'm up to the final season. Finally, of Buffy the Vampire Slayer, <laughs> and I'm uh, I'm like four episodes from the end, and I gotta say, Tim, I'm loving it. You watch some rubbish TV, Dan. Uh, you like... take that back. <laughs> <laughs> you take that back immediately. We did a bloody Friends trivia night on Sunday night, and yeah, not Friends my... the TV show, just like our friends. The, my knowledge of the question and the material that was asked in that trivia was woeful, I've got to say. So, <laughs> so um, listening to the podcast, um, Homer at Bat, Dennis, um, I don't know if he still listens to the podcast. He hasn't mentioned it in a while, but Dennis um, was the host of the trivia night for this week. Um, it's actually one of two trivia nights job. I did over the weekend. Um, one oh, of them wow. was with another listener of the podcast, uh, Chris Forster, um, <laughs> which Dennis attended. Um, Death to swans. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, so yeah, Dennis did a great job, but the questions were heavily oriented towards like movies and TV shows. And um, Tim just, yeah, you struggled. I was woeful. You struggled. Oh, so bad. Yeah. It was good though. Good. It was really good. It was fun. Mm. Real good fun. Yes. And I've got to say, uh, you may have noticed my internet is a little bit better this week if you listened to the last episode of our podcast. Mm. So that's a big thank to Leon. Shout out to Leon. Uh, yeah. Got my internet fixed over the weekend for me. 
and I'm going to be quitting Telstra. We're both Sorry, Telstra. We're both currently um, on internet provided by Leon, and and Tim, we were both previously on a Telstra-owned network. Wow, you were on Telstra and I was on Belong, which Telstra mm. owns. And it's working so much better. Heaps better. So much fun. Look how mm. crisp we are. Not just our uh, voices, so but looking crisp. at each other. We're so crisp. I can see you mm. and you're crisp. I can see you. Your forehead, dweeb. <laughs> <laughs> Look at your headphones. What are you, on an aeroplane? <laughs> <laughs> They're like that, aren't they? <laughs> They're all cheap ass ones. <laughs> My other ones are fixed. I should put them back in. But Did you get the adapter for that? Or is that... I, oh. I, I glued them. So that's woeful. Nah, this is like, why. Look how good that works. Next week, listeners, you'll be able to see Dan's glued headphones. <laughs> do you know? Exciting actually, times. I'm going to do a tutorial next week in the podcast so everyone can see it. But they're they're, <laughs> it's made out of cut out like plastic packaging from like a bat from batteries. Oh, and you wow. super glue that on the top, and then it, they still bend a bit, but they're obviously a lot better. So, wow. tight ass tip: repair that's things. That's a pretty good one, actually. Yeah. Mm. All right, everybody. Sure happens all the time. Well, thanks for listening. If you've got any more questions, get in touch with us, twodrunkpodcast at gmail.com, uh, at Two Drunk Accountants on Facebook and Instagram, at Two Drunk Podcast on Twitter. And um, yeah, if you've got any questions at all, get in touch. We'd love to answer them. Upcoming episodes include hopefully someone from zero to discuss the JobKeeper and how it will work on the software. Yep. And... Josh Robb, the liquidator. We want to get him back. Yeah, to Josh talk Robb. about the changes at the moment. And the the ever-promised psychologist of my household, Cat. Oh, um, come on. We were talking about it just a couple of days ago again, but we might push forward or push back the burnout episode and instead talk about mental health while being in isolation. Nice. Yes. I like it. Yes. Let's do it. Cool. Let's, let's, let's do that. All right. Well, thanks for listening, everybody, and we'll see you. Who knows? Our recording schedule's all over the place at the moment. We we might have one at the end of this week. We might have one next week. Mm. I don't know when. So yeah. But it'll be within a week. All right. All right. Thanks, everybody, and we'll calculate it. Bye.